Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Thank you. <laughs> this morning, uh, we'll be reading out of Deuteronomy, uh, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Skipping down to verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say surely this nation is a wise and understanding people for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? All right, thanks Ryan. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. All right, uh, kiddos, if you would like to Head out, you can. Uh, we have Elevate today, so that's uh, first and second grade. So first and second grade, if you would like to go back there with the Bannon crew, you can. Usually it's like a big stampede. Everybody wants to stay in here and learn from Deuteronomy. All right. I like it. Um, it is uh, good to be here. I've been here. I just haven't preached for a little bit, um, which is also nice. I appreciate Darden and Eric and uh, who else? It was Luke and um, Steve. Did Jeremy, who else? Joel, Joel didn't preach. Was it just four? All right. Thank you to those guys uh, who did that. Um, today is, uh, this is Labor Day weekend, uh, so um, uh, we're going to start a new sermon series that's going to take us through the autumn, uh, lest we be uh, theologically confused by seasons and theological terminology. Uh, it will take us through the autumn. Uh, all that we preach pretty much is in the fall. So, uh, um, <clears throat> but we're going to start Deuteronomy with the first four chapters today. And why are we starting this on a holiday weekend? Because uh, that's it, because we've got a lot to get in. Uh, and you will pick up here that starting with four chapters... Initially, it was going to be five chapters. I just couldn't. Uh, I felt bad keeping you that long. Um, so we're just going to go with the first four chapters today. So you might pick up on the fact that this is not going to be like a super in-depth view of Deuteronomy, but I hope to get uh, some knowledge and some wisdom and, and some insight here. I, I have really appreciated uh, Deuteronomy. It, is, um, it reveals to us a whole lot of the character of God. 
Uh, it reveals to us the history of God and his people and the story and the law and what that law looks like and the covenant and how that all came to be. Uh, that God would uh, establish this covenant with uh, his people and eventually would fulfill it himself um, through the person and work of Jesus. And so I think this will be really good and helpful for us to go through that. And we'll actually, one of the points today, this is a holiday weekend, so uh, I'm gonna try, we're going to have actually four points. So you get one, a bonus point. Usually I have three. Uh, this week I've got four since it's, you're off tomorrow, right? Most people are off tomorrow, so you got time. Um, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll do that, um, but this morning is going to be a lot of just the background setting for how did we get to this point, which is the first four chapters of Deuteronomy. So uh, the first thing I'm going to look at before we actually get into the text is why we should read the Old Testament, why we should care. We spent some time in Leviticus over the summer, uh, why we should read the Hebrew Scriptures, which is also known as the Old Testament, and then when we get into Deuteronomy, I'm going to look at the setting, uh, the point, and the hope uh, of um, the passage we're looking at today. So um, let me start with this, uh, with why we should read the Old Testament. And I want to give, give you an illustration. Uh, earlier this year, I took my older son, uh, Cooper. Uh, well, uh, let, me, let me start by saying this. I enjoy art, all right? I can't do it, but I like it. I like to look at art. I can sit there and soak in. I love the Impressionists. I can soak in Van Gogh, Monet, Gauguin. I can like just sit there and get lost in one of their paintings. And, and I can feel like that, that pit in your stomach when you see something beautiful. So I love and appreciate art, the use of colors, uh, the rough strokes, the portrayal of a wheat field. That, that, those are things that I really appreciate. My son, uh, my older son Cooper, is a phenomenal artist. Uh, and earlier this year, we went to the art museum together. Now, he has studied and read the history of art, the philosophy uh, of various artists. He's learned a wide variety of techniques. He works with different mediums, and he loves to explore uh, all of those things and, and work through all of those things. Um, and we would, look at the paint, we would look at a painting from the 17th century, and I would look at it and go, that's neat. Maybe a little bit more depth than that. Um, but he would look at it, and then he would step back, and then he would get in close. And this is something I don't know if you're aware, but some t in various places in the art museum, they have, they have uh, magnifying glasses uh, near the, the walls. And so he went and got a magnifying glass, and he was looking up way up close to this painting. Um, and this how, and he, would, he would say, Dad, look at, the, look at the detail of those tiny characters on the hillside. Look at the shadows and the lines of the way those smokestacks are lined up like that and how that, uh, you know, what that looks like. It's pretty cool to think that they did that with, in the 17th century, what, what kind of tools do you think they had? And they didn't have photography, so they couldn't just take a picture and then just sit there and study it. And then he would say things like, you know, Dad, do you know the story of this artist? Do you know the history of this artist? Do you know this technique, this method? Do you know when that was created? And to watch him look with awe and wonder at these different paintings, to watch him study those things, to look in close and just take in with all the history that he knows and with the detail and the work that he has practiced, and he saw things that were so far beyond what I was able to see because he had learned. He knew what went into this.
And I'll stop talking about them. He had a deep appreciation for what he was looking at. The Hebrew Scriptures are going to give us the background. They're going to give us the story of what is being fulfilled by Jesus. When we say Jesus is our hope, why is Jesus our hope? Because he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Well, what did he do? He fulfilled the law. What law? I'm glad you asked. How did that law come to be? The, New, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures are quoted all the time in the, the apostles and what Jesus is teaching and preaching. Uh, Deuteronomy itself is quoted over 50 times in the New Testament. And when we fail to see and learn and understand the Old Testament, we're just simply forfeiting a tremendous amount of depth and understanding of the story of God and what he has done, how this all came to be. Paul says in Romans 11, 17 and 18, some of you, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, he's talking to Gentiles, uh, and uh, among the others and now share in the nourishment the nourishing uh, root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches if you are. Remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root who supports you. What we see made known throughout the, throughout the New Testament is that Jew or Gentile, the only standing we have before God is the grace of God. Nobody can boast before God. But what we also see in being grafted in, even though we're a wild shoot, or a, a, wild, uh, a wild olive shoot grafted in that this story, most of us here are Gentiles, if not all of us, right? That we have been grafted into this story, that this story that is made known in the Hebrew Scriptures is now, with humility, our story. The deliverance of God's people his provision, his rebuke, his salvation, his leading all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, his giving of the law and how much of the law is fulfilled, uh, how much the fulfillment of the law is forecasted. This is all a continuous story. Paul would have never seen Jesus as a new religion. Paul would have never seen himself as part of a new religion. Paul saw himself as the fulfillment of this great story. The great the great Hebrew project. This is the fulfillment of that. And now this good news goes forth to the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some questions. There are some people who have concerns over the Old Testament, and the way that they read the Old Testament, I would agree and have concerns that way as well. So we do have to know and understand, well, how do we read this? How do we understand this? How do we grow in our understanding of the, New Test of the Old Testament? You're there's going to be some questions in Deuteronomy. I promise. I promise. There's going to be some things where you're like, I don't know about that. And, and I may go, yeah, me neither. There's enough room for the mystery and awe of God. Um, there are things that are going to happen in real time in the Hebrew Scriptures. God's judgment on the nations. God's deliverance. Miracles. Uh, the way God delivers his people to a physical promised land. There are things that are going to ultimately have a spiritual fulfillment that will one day ultimately be combined with the, uh, with the, the physical reality, but a spiritual ends, but are made, by no, but made known by God in time and history. We're not going to cover all those today. We'll cover them as we go, uh, but it may leave you with some questions. And it's not going to be all nice and tidy and neat, and, and we're all going to be okay with that. 
and we're going to wrestle and struggle maybe, but hopefully to the end that we know God more. So with that, let's jump in uh, to the scripture to see the setting of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses, who's the author of Deuteronomy, writes this in the very first, very first verses of chapter 4. He says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. Let me take a couple minutes and focus on the and now. <laughs> That's a transition statement. So what is he saying before that? Uh, Deuteronomy, the, the meaning of the word is second law. Now, this doesn't mean a, a second set of laws. This is Moses is going to go over the law a second time. This is a collection of sermons that Moses is going to give to the people. Uh, if you want to go, um, one of your assignments this week, go watch the Bible Project cartoon video of, of Deuteronomy. Take five to seven minutes or whatever of your day. Uh, it will be well worth it. Um, but what Moses is going to start with is he's, he, he's going to recall to the people the history of what God has done since their time at Mount Sinai and the ways that God has delivered them and protected them and recalling even their uh, disobedient, uh, their disobedience. And he's going to recall these things to the people of God who have experienced them. He's not, he'll even say in here, this is not, I'm not talking about your fathers, you were here. This is you. Now, here's two great truths that I think is important as Moses recalls the history of what God has done. Um, the first great truth is this. How do I know that I can trust God for tomorrow? Because of what he has done yesterday. Sometimes I think we operate as if today is in a vacuum and we have no idea what has happened in the past. And it's all just a big crapshoot today. Who knows? We know we trust God for tomorrow because of what he has done in the past. And so Moses begins this with a recollection of what God has done. We're not left to live day by day as if God has never existed up to this point. And the second great truth is this. How do I know that I can trust God in the spiritual realm How do I know I can trust God with spiritual? How do I know that there is a God? How do I know uh, like, that when I die, I will enter this realm of the land of the living or that I will see God face to face? This all seems rather hypothetical to me. How do we know we could experience God in the spiritual realm? Because God has acted in time and history. That is our confidence there. The question often posed to us in our day is what is supernatural and spiritual and what may be psychological, right? Is this, a, is this a movement of God, or to quote the great Ebenezer Scrooge, is this just a bit of undigested beef? Uh, David Foster Wallace, who was a, a troubled but brilliant author and philosopher, uh, in one of his speeches he told the, argu the argument, uh, sorry, the story of two men arguing in a remote Alaskan bar, a bar in remote Alaska. And one is religious and one is atheist, and they're talking about the existence of God. And he says it's the, only, it's the type of passion, they're arguing with the type of passion that, that is only reached after about the fourth beer. And the atheist says, listen, man, it's not like I haven't tried this. It's not like I haven't, like, reached out to God and tried to see if he's real or not. Like, I haven't asked him for things. I have. In fact, just last month, I was stuck out in a storm, and I got lost, and I couldn't find my way back to camp. 
And so I was like, all right, God, if you exist, if you're out there, then, then rescue me. Keep, keep me alive. Keep me safe. And then, and, then, and then I'll believe in you, and then I'll worship you. To which the religious guy is like, you're here. How, like, so I, how do you, surely you must believe in God now. And the atheist said, ah, no, there's just a couple Eskimos that came along and showed me how to get back to camp. Right? Here's the deal. Um, we live in a time where we can, and with a definite amount of arrogance on both the religious and irreligious side, defend whatever position we want to defend. Right? After all, our truth is our truth. And whichever way you want to slice it, you can. Whatever we want to see. But this is the great news. I think. I think this is great news. Moses is going to spend the first three chapters of Deuteronomy and fit it in some more throughout the, throughout the sermons here, uh, reminding us that this is not, for the people of God here, this is not a speculative, supernatural, just a supernatural thing. God had made himself known in time and history right in front of them. In fact, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, later on in 32 to 35, he says this, for ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of the heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out in the midst of the fire, as you have heard, and still live? Or has any other God attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation? by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. To you it was shown, so that you might know that the Lord is God and there is none other besides him. When Moses recalls history here, he is recalling the actions that the Lord has taken in time and history that these people all witnessed and saw. Moses starts his sermon at the very beginning of, of Deuteronomy. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, God met Moses at Mount Sinai, and he tells them it's time to leave and to go. And he says Kadesh Barnea, which is the pathway to the promised land, is about an 11-day journey. And then the next sentence starts with, and 40 years later. <laughs> um, how did that happen? Moses recalls. God brings them to the promised land. This God that just delivered them out of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet, they send spies up into the promised land. They see mighty nations that are there. And the people of God who just witnessed God's miraculous deliverance are scared of the people in the promised land. And they come back and they say, no, 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 uh, don't go in there. They're too big. Uh, and what's funny is not only are they doubting God's ability to do that, but they're even like doubting God's motive. They go in and they're like, God just brought, a, brought us out of Egypt so that the, uh, I'm going to get lost on which ites it was, Amorites. God brought us out of Egypt so the Amorites could destroy us. Any fellow cynics? 
right? Where you're like, even something good that happens, you're like, all right, God, this is a setup, isn't it? Yeah. They didn't trust what God was doing. And Moses said, the God who just fought for you will continue to fight for you. And God says, okay, we need some training ground. You're not going to the promised land yet. We're going to take some time in the wilderness. Hence, 40 years later, and what God does in the wilderness, he defeats other kings and other nations. He provides miraculously for them. He provides food. He provides shelter. He provides water. Um, the problem here is that Israel herself doesn't know and trust their God. And the grand project here that we're getting to for the people of Israel is that God is going to establish his people in the middle of all trade and commerce and travel in the Middle East. All the known world at that time, God's going to establish his people right in the heart of it. Everybody has to go through there to get to another place. And he's going to say, I want you to be faithful because you are going to be my witnesses in the middle of the earth for all of these people. Um, now, when it comes to God defeating kings and nations and things like that, this is, going to be, this is going to be a temptation. I'm going to ask you to resist it. It's going to be a temptation to take what we know now and imp impute it into their culture. Okay? To go, well, we would never do that. And I can't believe. And we've got to resist that. There's been a little bit of time in cultural development since then. And honestly, uh, most of the cultural development has come from God-fearers and God-followers. A, a lot of the issues of justice and human rights and that type of stuff. Um, but here... We need to understand what's happening in this culture. God, the God of Israel is different from the gods of other, of other peoples in the ancient world. Does he want loyalty? Yes. Every God wanted loyalty. But there's more. Um, God was jealous for his people. He wanted love and obedience. There are a lot of questions, and, and, and honestly, he doesn't want this law for his own ego. He wants this, them to follow this law for their good. Obey these statutes and live. There's a lot of questions that we see a lot about when God commands his people to go in and conquer and even kill other certain nations. And we'll cover this more in depth as we go. But the God of Israel, here's, here's something that's important to understand. The God of Israel never sanctions uh, violence simply for empire building. He never sanctions it just for his own ego. In fact, there's many times that God says, when you go in and I give this land into your hand, do not take their stuff. Do not plunder them. Because this is not about, it. This is not about you gaining riches. This is not about empire building. Oftentimes, it's about judgment. His judgment in real time. Nations that would offer their children as sacrifices, that would leave the heads of their enemies or any detractors, staked on a pole outside the wall, that they would experience the real-time judgment of God. Um, sometimes it was protection, but it's never simply about empire building, which is different from every other God. And just so you know, most of the other deities of other nations had 
some really stark resemblances to the king, the pharaoh, the leader of that nation. The rules tended to change with whoever the leader was because those were the deities. What we see in Deuteronomy 2 and 3, Moses is recounting God's deliverance and protection of his people. The kings and nations that were defeated. Uh, and then chapter 1 talks about God's complete provision in the wilderness. They had food. They had water. God is testing and shaping his people's faith and continuing to prove over and over again his power and his care for his people. And so Moses establishes that in the first three chapters. Uh, he reminds his people one more time as they prepare to enter the promised land of the law that God has given them and that they should obey it and why they should obey it. So that gives us the setting, and, th and this is the point. This is the point of, of Deuteronomy. And let me go through and read this uh, again. If you want to pull that up again, we'll, we'll put that passage back up so you can follow it along. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and rules that I'm teaching you and do them that you may live. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering it to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all of these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So we get to present time in Deuteronomy. Moses takes a few chapters to remind them. They're, they're kind of at the precipice, looking across the valley at the promised land. And Moses is reminding them of all that's happened. And, and this is why he tells them that to get to this point, this call of obedience. Um, and then he's going to go, as he, as he fulfills this, as he builds this up, uh, he's going to go through uh, the Ten Commandments one more time, which we're going to put off till next weekend. You're welcome. Uh, but what Moses does here is he gives the foundation for the law, the motivation, which again is unique to the nations, unique among the nations. He says, listen. Now Moses is going to say, listen and hear an awful lot in Deuteronomy. If you want to go through and how many times he says, listen, he's not saying listen as just like information intake. When listen or hear is used, it is soak this in, embody this, take, take this in. Let it work on you. The rules and the statutes that God gives, this is not just God wanting to be a dictator. It's not just God wanting his way. It's the way God designed the world to work. Obey these and live. This will be your wisdom. In a broken world, this is the way things are, are meant to operate. This is before we came suspicious and fearful and skeptical and self-protective. Moses recalls what the whole plan of God is. God is going to put a people, his people, in the middle of the known world that they would love and trust and obey God and that the other nations uh, of the world would look and say, 
what a great God this is. What wisdom do these people have? They were to remember God's faithfulness. They were to trust him. They were to bear witness to this great God in the midst of all the nations. That was the call, which is pretty much the same as ours. Right? Yes. Yeah, that is the same as ours. I hear, I hear you rumbling and, and the mind's going. God is going to establish them as a people and as a nation. Now, that part is different in the New Testament. We are called to be a church, not a nation. Sometimes we get that very confused in our day. God establishes this nation, and not only that, but it's not going to be their diplomacy or their military strength that keeps God's people in the land. It is to be God himself that is their great defender. If and as they trust in him and remember and obey. A little foreshadowing, they're not they're going to run into some trouble on that part. They're not always going to listen and obey and trust. And they're, make, they're going to make treaties where they should not. Um, and in, in all of this, there is even given here an expectation that they will not do this perfectly. Uh, sometimes I think we have, an, we, have a, we have a way of looking at the Old Testament and simply going, well, it was just about them following the rules. Well, here's the deal. This is what I think is critical to understand chronologically. Hebrew writing, the, the middle of the story, the middle was the apex. The middle was the most important. So the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the uh, Hebrew Scripture, the law, the Pentateuch, what's the middle book of the Pentateuch. Leviticus. The most important, the apex. The middle chapter in Leviticus is the Day of Atonement, the High Holy Day. God has already provided a means of reconciliation, a means of forgiveness for when they screw up. There's an anticipation or a knowledge, you're going to mess up. But here's the one command not to forget. To not seek after other gods. When you mess up, there are sacrifices and rituals in place for you to give to be reconciled and, forgiven, and, to, and to have forgiveness. But when you seek after other gods, the temptation was, which this, it, in one way it blows my mind, and in the other way I'm like, yeah, same thing every day. God has just delivered them out of Egypt and delivered them out of all these powerful nations. He's going to give these other nations into their hand. And their temptation is going to be to walk into these countries that were just defeated and go, oh, look at their God. Huh. Maybe we should worship like that. And God going, uh, like if this is the meme, okay, this is, this is God as the girl over here uh, and, and the guy looking back at the other girl with, you know, all the other nations and the lesser gods. 
Do you know the meme I'm talking about? All right. There's your cultural application. All right. And, and after God has defeated these people, their temptation is still to look and go, well, maybe we should worship like these gods. That's the biggest command. Don't forget. It is your God who has delivered you. It is your God who has protected you. It is your God who has defended you. Do not forget that and fall in love with these other gods. God made himself known to his people in time and history so that they would not be uh, left to wonder if he was real and so that they would know that he alone is God and not be tempted to worship lesser gods. The God of Israel that we will see made known here in Deuteronomy, the God that continues to make himself known and eventually reveals himself fully in the person and work of Jesus, fulfilling all of the commands that he has made for his people, he makes clear here, even in the Old Testament, it is not just a matter of do what I say. The other gods and all the other nations demanded loyalty and it was just do what I say. The God of Israel was different. He loved his people. He was jealous for his people. He doesn't want our obedience just because he says so. He wants our obedience because we trust him. We have come to know him because he has delivered us, because he loves us, because it is good for us. Not once will you see God say, if you obey these, you will be my people. What we see God say in time and history, I am your God. I love you. I have delivered you. You are my treasured possession. Live like it. Obey my commands that are good for you. Just following the rules will never produce in us love it will often produce in us obligation. And so Moses starts this whole thing before he lays down the law. He starts this whole thing with the retelling of God's provision. And it's why he will never give the laws or statutes of the Lord without telling us why. This is our hope. Our hope is that this same God is our great redeemer and defender. That in Christ he has fulfilled his own law that we might be called sons and daughters of God. So, let me just step back for a minute and give just the, the whole picture of Deuteronomy. And I, I promise I'm going to do it quickly. Uh, Moses sets the stage here for what's going to happen. He does this by saying, remember, this is what God did. And he didn't do this for our fathers. You were there. You saw this. Remember? You saw it. This is a God that fiercely loves and defends his people, and yet, when they don't trust him, when they think he's out to get them, when they think, ah, oh, he just brought, about, brought us out of Egypt to deliver us to the Amorites. Uh, oh, that one just, it stings, because I'm like, I totally get that. Um, and, and Moses is going to say over and over again, we are called to love and obey, to respond in love, to respond in trust, so that the nations may know the goodness and mercy and wisdom and righteousness and justice of God. So, uh, Deuteronomy is a fascinating book. 
Um, some would say it's the first commentary in Scripture. You have four books that are pretty much like straight from God, and then this is Moses' sermon. It's the end of the Torah, uh, and, and he's going to get into, again, like several reminders. Remember, listen. We're going to have the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then the command, so that when you get into this promised land and you think you've done something, remember, you haven't done anything. This is God's provision. Be grateful, be humble, lest you think that these cisterns, that you accomplished that, that these buildings, that you built them. Take care, lest you forget. And then he's going to spend time going through the statutes, the covenants, uh, the covenant that God makes with his people. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of these statutes are going to be fun. All right? Uh, we're going to dig into some of them. And you're going to be like, can you really put a disobedient son to death? All right. I'm not saying it doesn't say that, but I am saying it's a little bit of time. It's not just like a son backtalks you and you're like, all right, sorry, dude. It, it, it is more than that. You're going to see what's really important to God's heart, where some of these laws come into play. So I'm, we're not going to skip, we're going to skip some of them that, that you know, um, when or when not to boil a goat in its own mother's milk. You know, that, those are things that um, may not be as critical for us today. Uh, but um, uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into some of these statutes. We're going to look at the blessings and curses that Moses gives for his people. What does that mean? What does it mean to live and to, to be blessed and not confuse blessing with charm? A blessed life does not mean a charmed life. So what does that look like, the cursing and blessing? And then Moses gives this beautiful song toward the end. Uh, we're going to look at this, how it plays into some of our own cultural uh, things. Have you, have you noticed how much people love and hate the Old Testament, depending on uh, when it's useful for their political uh, affiliation? Like, are you kidding? You can't even eat shell shellfish. Uh, but then, ah, uh, but immigration... Uh, but capital punishment, but like, so we'll, we'll hit them all. Uh, and, um, and we're going to see, I hope, we're going to gain a better understanding of the character of God. Uh, Moses, Moses is basically gathering his people. They're, they're, they're on the, the, basically the eve of entering the promised land. Now Moses is not going to get to do it. He and his generation are just going to get to look in. But Moses is gathering his people. He's reorienting them. And he's going, okay, guys, let's go through this again. Before we enter into the promised land, let's remind ourselves what God has done. Why we just spent 40 years in the wilderness, but also what God has done to provide and care for us then. Let's get, it, let's, let's get this together one more time and go through these laws and why God has done this so that when we enter into the land, we are, we are quick to remember. Um, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but the world feels a little chaotic, right? The people of God feel a little chaotic. Um, maybe God's patience is being tested just a little bit. Uh, I've joked about in the Midwest, like the, that whatever angel is in charge of rain in the Midwest is no longer using like the watering can. He's just taking the bucket and... <laughs> Like, it's all like a thin, narrow line and comes down in about 30 seconds. Anybody else notice that? We don't have any, like, nice, long rains anymore. Um, I don't know if that's judgment or blessing. Feels like judgment. Um, I hope as we walk through Deuteronomy that we're able to see 
the character of God made known, the activity of God made known. We're able to be encouraged that God does act in time and history, and that can settle our faith. Um, and and, and uh, come to know this God that has been acting throughout time and history. Um, here's your, let me give you a practice for this week as we go. I, I mentioned earlier um, to do some reading in Deuteronomy. Uh, read through the first four chapters of Deuteronomy. Um, count in there the promises of God and see how God protects and provides uh, in there. Watch the, watch, if you want to watch the Bible Project video, well, maybe we can put that on the app. I'm saying we. Maybe I, can I do that? Can I put that on the app? Maybe somebody can put that on the app. Um, um, I want to first, I want to, as you read through Deuteronomy, if you do that, the first four chapters, I want to give you that lens to view that with. This is not a different story. This is not a different religion. This is not something else. This is the God of history that will make himself known through Jesus and is setting the stage for that need to take place by giving us laws that we will never be able to fulfill, that only he can fulfill, but his heart is still to know and love and protect and provide and to defend his people, that they would be righteous, that they would be faithful, that they would know him and trust him. And so practice putting those lenses on as you read through that. Even when you have hard questions, even when you look and you're like, I don't like this, Okay, but, but put that lens on to see what happens. Um, and then I want, I want you to practice. It's just a basic, um, a, a basic practice, the, the full uh, spiritual practice called mindfulness. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to the worries and fears of, the day, of your day, the things that get at you, the things that start to control you, the things that you feel anxious about or worried about. If you want to journal, if you're a journaler, this would be a great exercise. Divide a piece of paper into three parts and put down a situation that you are stressed about. Put down in the middle what that is causing you and how you are, what you are feeling with that, uh, with that fear or that worry. What emotion is that bringing up in you? And then on the third column, what I want you to do, and maybe you just do this, as you read through Deuteronomy, the first four chapters especially, what are the promises of God made known here? What are the promises of God that speak to the anxieties of my day and my heart? Who has a God like this people? Who has a God that will defend, that will provide? And then there's, there's breathing exercises if, if you want to go along with that of, of breathing out your fear and anxiety and breathing in the presence of God. And if you go, well, that's weird, that's mystic, you should know that God designed our whole bodies, including breathing, that you have not thought about once this morning until I just brought it up. To breathe in, it kind of resets us a little bit. To breathe in the presence of God, his promises that these are still true. And this is not just hypothetical. This has happened in time and history. All right, does that make sense? Take some time. Oftentimes, we're very aware of our anxieties and our fears, but we don't take time to examine them. And rarely do we take time to bring God's promises in them. Take some time this week on the, on the verge of entering into the promised land where God wants to establish his people not as a military might, but as a faithful and humble and loving and just people. And let that begin to dwell in you. Cool? All right. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you existed in time and history. That we have the hope of you dwelling among us. This is not hypothetical. This is not just all in the spiritual realm. You lived and walked on this earth. And then you died and rose again. And the, the historical fact of this is almost inarguable unless we don't want to see it. So I pray that you would calm our minds and our hearts this week. There's a lot of questions. There's doubts. There's anxiety. There's fears all around us in, in every way. You, you, you name it, and we feel a stress in that area. Um, so this week, may we be proactive as Moses will command his people over and over and over again to remember and to reflect and to take care and to see how you have provided and to see how you have sustained, and not just even in my own life, but all throughout history, how you have sustained and provided, lest we walk into our everyday life and go, ooh, there's money, that will bring me hope. Ooh, there's some addiction, that will bring me hope. There's chocolate, there's alcohol, there's porn, there's something else. When we're tempted to walk into our capitalistic gods and go, that's what I really need. May you bring to our hearts, may we take care lest we forget you. You are the one who provides, you are the one who sustains, you are the one who saves, redeems, reconciles, and puts all other gods in their place. So would you make yourself known, may we be comforted by your action throughout history. May we delight in your law as it reveals who you are and the way you made things to be. We ask all of these with your grace and your patience and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.